I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. You may be seated. Amen. Last Sunday morning, the Lord instructed me to, and, and it was really just kind of a late, last minute thing on late Saturday night. I guess it was after midnight when the Lord spoke it to me and just changed my plans. But, and I spent last Sunday talking with you. Some of y'all remember that. We have that CD available out there because we want you to catch up. Big stack of them out there. Get, everybody ought to get that and just listen to it over and over. But we began a study on what we called paralyzing the paralyzing force of fear. In other words, how to stop the, the force of fear in, in your life. And we want to continue on that today. And today we're going to, uh, this is the title the Lord gave me this morning to share with you. And you might want to just jot this down. He said, preach today on stop letting worry run the show. Stop letting worry. Now this is, this is an important thing to talk about and you'll see why as we go along. As you study, and of course you can, you can see things on the internet nowadays. Information is at our, at our fingertips basically. You know that if you've learned how to maneuver through that. And I, my first introduction to the internet was in 1998. I know it was out a long time before that, but uh, 98 is when we began to get into it and, and just, and you wonder who puts all this information on there, you know? Well, it's people just like you or I that put information that we think's right. Now, of course, you know, everything you read on the internet is, is correct. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln said so. Abraham Lincoln said, everything you read on the internet's right. So you can write that down. I read that on the internet. <laughs> no, and it doesn't, you know, what you're seeing, of course, is people's opinion. But anyway, we won't get into that. I'm, I'm, t- I'm telling you to be careful with the Internet because it doesn't mean it's right because it's out there. It just, just means that's somebody's opinion. But a lot of times information and facts are put out there. And when you begin to look at this subject of fear, you can find out real soon. You don't have to go to the Internet to find it out, really. You can just work with people. Just, just live in a family, among a family. Work among people. And you'll find out that the lives of people in this world are literally riddled just pierced through and through with fear. And fear runs the show. It just runs the show. And worry, what we're going to deal with worry, worry is not a a different word really. Worry can be translated anxiety or fears, but worries, the Lord said to me, is what nurses that fear. Just nurses that fear to become bigger and bigger. And so we're going to stop it from running the show today. We're We're going to take the word of God and we're going to turn it around. Had the Lord say to me this morning, just before we got ready to leave, James and I were kind of at the house late today, running late. And the Lord said this to me, and I had to go just, I didn't want to just jot it down. I wanted to go back and type it in and put it in my notes because I wanted to have this for future reference. When the Lord said this, he said, tell the people today, and you're here today, so he's obviously talking about you and me, right? He said, tell them they can choose between a life of fear or a life of power, but you can't have both. Choose between a life of fear, dominated, controlled by fears and worries, or you can choose for a life of power, but you cannot have both at the same time. Take advantage of the fact, just jot down these references, and then rather than looking them up, we'll save a little time if you'll look on the screen. So write down Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Don't worry, Paul says, don't worry about anything. Well, what advice? Don't worry about nothing, we might say. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. With thankful hearts, offer up your prayers and requests to God. Then God's peace, verse 7 says, then God's peace, which goes beyond anything we can imagine. God's peace, which goes beyond anything we imagine. King James says, surpasses understanding. You know, it goes beyond understanding. In other words, you can't think as big as what peace could do for you. I hope you're getting this in the vein that I want you to catch it, is that fear is a crippling thing in our lives that really, if, if the number one thing that fear robs from people, and this is, this is my analysis you know, from watching people for 60, almost 60 years of my life, is I think that the biggest thing that fear robs is your creativity, your abilities. That's why people are afraid. Sometimes fear of failure keeps people from stepping out to do something. Teenagers begin to experience it. I had a young, young man say to me the other day, a teenager say, I'm awkward around girls. And I said, join the crowd. <laughs> girls might be awkward around boys or, you know, whatever the case may be. Awkward about asking for that position or awkward about asking for a raise or something that you might do. Well, your creativity, your abilities are there to be released on this planet. Have you ever noticed that some of the best, when I say best, one of the, some of the most successful Singers in the world can't sing. 
I drive on our trips most times. I do most of the driving because Susan's really usually pretty busy sleeping. And I drive, and so I have a lot of time to think. And I don't know why, but the thought just came to me the other day. What if, you know, what if everybody was saved? What if you could just get everybody saved? And I was thinking about, what if you could get Bob Dylan saved? Wouldn't he have been some kind of a worship leader? His presence fills this place. <laughs> I thought, Bob Dylan, boy, wouldn't he be something? Not every singer that successful can sing. I mean, you really think about it, but yet thousands or sometimes tens or even hundreds of thousands of fans will flock to hear them. Why is that? Really, it's not because they're so talented at what they do. It's just because they stepped out to do something. And they're consistent with what they do. And it doesn't mean that you have less abilities. Sometimes you may, as we said, have more abilities than some people. But the fear of failure sometimes keeps us back. And so it'll rob your creativity. It robs our creativity and that's why it runs the show of many people's lives. All the failures in your life, all the failures, all the disappointments, all the difficulties in your life can always be traced back to your worries. Amen. You can always run a line right back to your worries. What you were afraid of, we read last Sunday. Job said, that which I greatly feared has come upon me. So this verse says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. With thankful hearts, offer up your prayer and request to God. Then on the screen, then God's peace which goes beyond anything we can imagine, will guard your thoughts and emotions Amen. through Christ Jesus. Amen. Worry, then, is giving place to fears and anxieties in your life. Worry, we know, has to do with meditation, has to do with your thinking. It, it's what nurses fear. Worry gives place to anxieties, uneasiness in your mind. It, worry is when you allow your mind to dwell on the difficulties or the, or the problems of life. Where you're just dwelling on them all the time. Doesn't mean now, now I've got to say something here that Brother Hagen quoted it. It was actually a, a word I'd heard somebody else say years, or somebody that quoted it earlier than that. But Brother Hagen, most of y'all are familiar with him, and I'll, I'll quote him. He said, you, you can't stop thoughts from coming to your mind. They're all going to come. I mean, you know, that, worry doesn't mean, please understand, worry doesn't mean you shouldn't ever have a negative thought because the devil will see to it the thoughts come. Amen. You can't stop thoughts from coming. Amen. But it's the thoughts that you entertain that become worry. The thoughts you allow to stay. Here's the way Brother Hagin said it. He said, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you don't have to let it nest in your hair. You can't th stop thoughts from coming, but you don't have to hold on or entertain that thought. And as we said last week, if you, if you get that CD, you really go over, is replace fearful thoughts with faith thoughts. Get scriptures that build faith ideas on the inside of you and just replace those fears and, and talk about it. You can't, you can't fight thoughts with thoughts. You have to fight thoughts with words. Right. So make your confession, your affirmations of faith and drive that fear back and you'll find out Satan really has no authority, no power. Fear is a very weak force when it's, when it's dealt with properly through the name of Jesus and through positive, high energy scriptures that God gives you that like for just a, one that we're all familiar with it's we're all familiar with Philippians 4 13 I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me Amen. we'll replace that when there's difficulties that you can't do I, I have my children of course they're all grown now James is still in school 16 years of age but I tell him quite often and as I told Avril Sarah and Kristen when they were doing homework you can do all things I can't do this math oh you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you God knows more about that math than you know about it. He knows more about the math than the teacher knows about it. And he's inside of you, and he'll help you in that math, or he'll help you in that understanding that English. Boy, I, I don't know where you are, but I, I've got so much understanding now how to get God to work in my behalf. I wish I could go back to school. I wish, I wish Miss O'Rear would call me and say, come to the first grade, we're starting over. I'd be there, I'd be there in a flash. Of course, I'd have to... <laughs> prop my feet up on the desk. I couldn't get under it. But you know, but I mean, just how many of you would like to hit school again with the attitude now that you have where faith is concerned? You'd, you'd have been that straight A student. Uh, Summer, was it you telling me you had a, who, who was, was it you telling me you had a four point something average, more than four? Who was that the other day telling me they had in college, they had a, over a four point average. I don't remember what it was because they had done, maybe it was in high school, they had over, who was it? Morgan? You had a what average in high school or college? 4.28. That's where I ran usually in track. 4.28. Oh, Jesus. Amen. That's powerful. Well, that's the mind of Christ. 
And it shouldn't be strange in our congregation. All of our children ought to grow up that way if we've learned how to tell them those kind of things. You can do all things. So anyway, let's get on this. So worry then is giving way to anxious or uneasy thoughts in your life. You know, allowing your worry is allowing your mind to dwell, we said, on difficulties and trouble. The word worry is an old Anglo-Saxon word, which literally means, worry literally means to strangle or to choke. And that's what worry does. It strangles your efficiencies and strangles your talents and your creativity. It chokes out life and chokes you out from opportunities. So to give way to fear is to let fear dominate your life. And when Satan runs the show, there'll be no successes. Listen, make no mistake about it. Fear is your enemy. It it is not your friend. There's nothing good about it. People say, well, there's certain fears we need to have. I need to have fear of playing in the road. No, if you explain to your children that a car outweighs them by about 500 times and you just don't play in the road. I never told my kids, don't go out in that road, you'll get ran over. How many of you heard that growing up a lot of times? Some of y'all old, y'all probably, don't get out there, you get run over by a horse. You know. <laughs> I, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some of that's kind of true, amen. But, <laughs> but I never told my children, don't play in that road, you'll get ran over. Never, never made that confession. I never made them afraid of the road. I simply said, look, a car, that car weighs about 2,000 pounds. And you're no match for it. It plays in the road, you play over here in the grass. Just stay out of the road. That's where they play, that's where you, it's where you play. But you don't, you don't have to use fear to train children. You don't, you know, you, you put your hand on that stove, it'll melt your hand off, girl. You don't, no, you don't, you don't train them with fear. You explain to them what heat will do. And, and you, you know, they can learn. They learn that early. They learn that, really, they learn hot things before they can talk. If, you know. And uh, so anyway, but anyway, you, I'm just saying, don't let fear be a part even in the training system. I know, I know people say certain fears are healthy, but I, I'm, not, I'm not going with that. I, I say fear is a spirit. I, I think there's a difference in fear and training. And when I'm talking about not worrying today, y'all mind me just saying some of these things. When I'm talking about not worrying, I'm not talking about you don't stop to analyze something. I'm not talking about you don't, you don't stop and pause and think about something. You know, James, James, Susan and I were out the other night on the beach, where, not the beach, but the Bay House where we were. We were oh, they were, they were wanting to turn on the lights out on the dock, the boating house out there in the dock where they could go out and fish at night. And they, we'd flip the switches. They didn't come on. It's my brother-in-law and sister's place. So, I, you know, I... I Turned everything, and he said, oh, just flip the switches. And I said, okay, okay, which I'd already flipped them, you know. I thought, there's something else going on. And so not knowing the house, I walked inside looking for breaker boxes, ended up finding two, you know. Walked outside looking for breaker boxes and, you know, and that kind of thing. Well, finally found the right one. It was about because it had additions on the house over the years. House built probably in the 30s or 40s and, you know, and just additions and additions and so on. And finally found the right one, and, and we were going out there. Look, But my point was, we're going out there looking with a little flashlight in the middle of the night, and Susan was beside me, and we're just walking, making this, you know, looking for this thing out there in the middle of the night. And James thought it would have been funny to come <laughs> run up and grab his mother and <laughs> like that, his mother. <laughs> well, now we're walking in the middle of a yard that we're not familiar with. I mean, you know, one night there were eight deer sitting in the yard. So you got this wildlife and, you know, hear the wolves howling and everything else. Why, why do you think they call it Wolf Bay? Well, when he came out, they might as well called it Werewolf Bay. I mean, we're walking, I'm walking out there looking at that flashlight for the right box because there's several different power boxes. And, and I didn't, I'm not saying he should do this. He, this is not, the, you don't project fear like this. But he came and grabbed his mother with, like this, you know. Well, Susan joined right in. Well, I'm sitting there with that flashlight on this side. And it sounded like a mad dog had grabbed a hold of her. And you know, I mean, you've you got to stop and analyze. Now, what is this? And you've got to do this quick. I'm thinking my wife is being eaten alive by a wild animal. And then so I went to turn toward the noise, you know, to protect her. Well, she's right there on me, froze, going, ah! You know, this. And so I couldn't move, so I had to push her out of the way to get to it. Now, she thought I was pushing her to this animal. <laughs> you know. And so anyway... So you have to stop and analyze what is this. You make, I'm not saying you don't make a decision, but you don't, you, I'm talking about, I'm not even talking about sudden fear. That's another message. But I'm talking about the worry that happens most times in your bed at night where you lay there 
it's the cause, number one cause of insomnia. I heard Dr. Colbert say that just the other day. Number one reason that people are not able to sleep at night is because of worries, anxiousness and worries. And really, anxious, worry turns into anxiousness when you, when you dwell on it long enough. If you can see that, say amen. So, so as we said, just make no, no mistake about it. Worry is your enemy and you've got to believe it. I had a quote here that was just really interesting to me. Dr. Charles Mayo, who was, of course, the founder of the great Mayo Clinic, medical doctor himself. You've all heard of the Mayo Clinic. He saw firsthand the effect that worry had on both the mind and the body. Effects. Now, this is a medical doctor that saw years and years of this influence of worry. He said worry affects circulation. It affects the heart, the glands, the whole nervous system. And profoundly, he said, it affects the heart. Not just, you know, he said that twice, but he said it affects the heart. But profoundly, it affects the physical heart. And then he added this. He said, I've never known a man who died from overwork, but I've seen many who's died from doubt. Yes. So you can see now the impact that a life full of worry has on the, on the human Amen. body and the mind. Amen. We're going to look at a scripture here in just a minute that reveals to us that we're God's children. We're going to take this thing from the approach of I'm God's child. I can trust him to take care of me. You know, we made mention last week. You remember when you was a child and fears would come on you that you... Uh, oftentimes would run to mama or daddy and they would hold you. And, and that's just what we're going to get this same attitude today about God is learn to run into his presence. Yes. But the problem is that most of God's children live under the bondage of fear. I'll show you that scripture in just a minute. Fear has been the cause, as I've already said, of multiple failures in people's lives. The opposite of that would be the force of courage. And that's what leads us into successes. Now I'm going to say that again to connect that to what I said earlier, you can trace every failure back to worries and fear right. in your life. And you can trace all successes back to courage and boldness. Mm. Amen. You can trace all your successes back to your boldness and to your courage. Amen. But I want to go ahead and just add this in. Just make note of it if you'd like. Courage and boldness is not something you can just practice in. Now, we're going to talk about practicing it today, but I don't just mean you can say, okay, I'm going to start practicing boldness and courage. Practice is, is, is excuse me, boldness and encouragement is an endowment from God. Mm, right. See, it's something that has to come directly from Him. So it has to be received. Boldness or courage, we'd say, has to be received by faith. Amen. In other words, you have to find some scriptures that God has given you a powerful spirit. Well, what is that? Well, listen to this one. We know it. I'll, I'll show it to you in a minute. But 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God didn't give me a spirit of fear. But he gave us a what? A spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. Well, look at that. See, a sound mind, that's what we're talking about obtaining today, a sound mind that's not riddled with fears and torments and anxieties. All those things left alone will turn into phobias in your life. It'll turn into phobias that'll keep you locked up in a back bedroom afraid to go out. I've seen people do that where their driving's concerned. They'll start out saying, well... For whatever reason, you know, it may sometimes age or whatever, but just some people are this way. It doesn't take an aged person. Sometimes it can be very young. A person will say, well, I don't, I don't drive out of town. I just don't go into big cities. You know, I, I'll drive, but I don't go into big cities. I'll drive you till we get to the border of Birmingham, but then you got it. I don't drive in big cities. Well, before long, you won't even go to the cities. Before long, you won't drive. You know, I'll drive to the store, but I won't drive to downtown Jasper. That's a pretty busy place nowadays. And so you, you begin to yield to that. And before long, it's like, I, I, don't, I don't drive at all. And I'm just telling you, that'll keep on taking ground. Fear will take ground. It's the devil. It's an evil spirit. See, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. It's a spirit that is taking everything it can from you. And as we all used to say, you know, the devil, you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. If you give him the big cities, he'll take, before long, he'll take your city. You know what I mean is you're driving. Before long, he'll take you to the neighborhood. You won't even drive it off. Before long, you just keep right. a car in case, but before long, you don't even need a car because right. you're too afraid to drive. Right. Amen. And see, I'm just saying that's the way fear works. It may take years for that to transpire. I said it kind of quick, but that's just what happens in a lot of people's lives. Before long, I don't, I don't go in big public places. Before long, I don't, go, I don't go out. You know, before long, though, you keep that going, I won't go out at all. Right. No, I won't even leave the house. You know, I just, you know, bring it to me. I, I don't go out. See? And that, that's how the devil begins to work, take ground. And boldness can't just be practiced in. It has to be yielded to and received. There's a scripture 
Proverbs 28.1 up here. It says, the wicked people flee when no man's chasing. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. Look at that contrast. Wicked people. Now, now let, you know, we say, well, wicked people, mean people, bad people. Let, let me give you a definition for the word wicked that's interesting. The word wicked, we get the word wicker from it. You ever had wicker furniture? It literally means twisted. Wicker furniture where it's the, the material has been twisted. Right. What wickedness is, is, see, God's the only creator in this thing. Mm-hmm. The devil's never created anything. God's the only created. He created man, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, put man there. We were in their loins, in Adam's loins. So we've been in the Garden of Eden that, in that sense. And that's why our spirit longs for that and hungers to be back into that kind of an atmosphere. We all have a kindredship to it. God created. He's the only creator. Now see, God put the force of faith inside of Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve responded to faith. Boy, I'm telling you, faith, the whole creation responded to it. But when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden and Satan became the underlord of man, overlorded over man, under God, but when Satan became the God of this world, as Paul calls him, he, he couldn't create fear. Right. He's not a creator. He had to take a force that was already here and wicked or twisted. Mm. So okay. faith was twisted into fear. Wow. Yes. Wow. T.L. Osborne explained it best this way. He said, faith is believing the word of God, but fear is believing the word of the devil. So he said it like this. T.L. Osborne said, Fear is faith in the wrong thing. Amen. That's right. Fear is believing the wrong report. See, that's what Satan came with was a lie, told Adam and Eve or told Eve a lie that what God said wasn't true. And he twisted that. Now, let, let me show you this is interesting. Because fear is faith just perverted or twisted, then it still responds. Yes. That's good. Amen. Fear is a responding force, just yes. like faith is a responding force. Amen. The reciprocals. And so it responds. When Adam had sinned and his faith was perverted to fear, God came looking for him and said, Adam, where are you? And what was Adam's response? I'm over here hiding. Why are you hiding in those trees? Adam said, because I was afraid. Well, that's the first fear that was ever mentioned in the Bible. Where did he get that fear from? The devil took his faith and twisted it. Instead of now trusting what God said, he was now trusting the lies of the devil and it produced a force called fear. Well, the good news is that if fear is a responsive force, it'll respond to you today and it'll obey you. Let me tell you something. If you've got a habit of worrying, you can break the habit. Because if you've got the habit of worry, you created the habit of worry and you can create the habit of faith. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Is anybody getting anything out of this? So we said most of God's children live under bondage. Proverbs 28 again says, The wicked flee when no one's chasing, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Fear is not a characteristic of a believer. Wicked people, now we've got that definition. People that have their faith twisted to fear will run, flee, when nobody's even chasing them. You've got fear, you'll run from things you think is going to happen. I'll talk to you about that in just a minute. But righteous people, now the word righteous there is, of course, you know, in the New Testament at least, righteousness is a free gift. Because of Jesus, you've been made righteousness. God's not asking you to commit righteousness. He's asking you to receive righteousness as a free gift. Jesus became sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21. And so God wants us to walk in this, but because you understand that you've been made righteousness, you can have the boldness of a lion That's right. Amen. when it comes to opportunities and you can seize opportunities and take advantage of things that God puts in front of you instead of running from them. Amen. Amen. So fear is not a characteristic of a Christian, but faith is the characteristic of Christians. And that's the way we all ought to look. Now I'm going to ask you to turn to this scripture, if you will, Romans chapter 8. 14 and 17, I want you to see this. Again, these are scriptures we could quote, but it's always good to turn to your Bibles, give you a chance to mark things. We're writing down these other things. Learn to take notes in church. If you don't know how to take notes in church, sit by somebody that does until you learn how. Learn from them. Romans chapter 8, look at these two verses. Now again, I wish we could read several verses around this, but I'm just going to, under the direction of the Lord today, read two verses, I think, 14 and 15. We could read on to 17. I've got it referenced there, but let's just see what we got because of time. Now look at the 14th verse. Everyone got it? Romans, the 8th chapter, verse 14. It says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
And ladies, that word sons is both male and female and gender. So we could say, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and daughters of God or the children or the offspring of God. All you got to do is just be led by God, yield to Him. That's what we're going to talk about, yield to Him. Fear is trying to get you to yield to the devil, you see, what he's trying to do to destroy. And faith is getting you to yield to God. So as many as are led, make that decision to be led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For, look at verse 15, for, or the word for could be because. And I'm going to put that word because in there because it makes better sense to me. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God because you have not, as a Christian, you have not received the spirit of bondage. Bondage would be slavery or oppression. You have not received the spirit of bondage or slavery again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption from God whereby we cry, Abba, Father, to it. That word Abba is just a Greek word that never was translated because the translators were afraid of it because it literally says our relationship with God should be Abba, which is a personal pet name for your daddy. You know, like most of us, I didn't, I didn't call my, my dad, J.P. Gordon, I didn't call him father. I didn't get up in the, are you kidding? Father, may we go and look under the Christmas tree this morning? Father. If I'd, have called that, if I'd said that to my daddy, he'd have, he'd have told mother to get the castoria out. You might know what that is, castor oil. You might remember oh, castor oil. Oh, Lord Jesus. Something wrong with that boy, see. <laughs> Are you listening to him? No. What did you call your dad? Well, everybody had different names. I, you know, most of us, dad or daddy. That's what you hear more from here. Some people, papa or pops, you hear them call their dad that. But whatever pet name, whatever term of endearment you'd have for your dad, he's saying that word Abba means that we ought to have such a, as Christians, we ought to have such a good relationship with God that we know we don't just have to refer to him as father. I don't mind introducing him to my heavenly father, but that's not what I call him. I don't say father. I don't have to deal with that all the time. I, he's my daddy. And so you, you call him whatever pet name relationship you and he have in your prayer time together. Now, now, I'll tell you, when you first call him, instead of calling him Father God, when you instead of calling him that and you call him Daddy or, hey, Pops, <laughs> look up to heaven and say, hey, Pops. The first time you do that, your knees will shake with fear because you think God slapped you down for talking that way. But if you're a parent, would you be angry at your child for having a term of endearment to you? No, not at all. It blesses me to this day. I have four children, as you know, and to hear any one of them from age, April will be 30 in a few days, from age 30 all the way down to 16, it just blesses me all the time to hear them say, Dad. Because every time I hear them say that, it just renews the idea that, man, I get the fortunate privilege in this life to be the daddy of those four. Amen. And that's just a cool thing. Well, God, it does our Father God the same way when you've got that return. So it's a, it's a, it's a term of endearment. But look at this. So look, think about it. For the Christian, now, this is, you can't just pick this verse. If you're not a Christian, it don't belong to you. But if you want to be saved and give your life to Jesus, this is what belongs to you. Amen. If you are a Christian, this is ours. Look, so it says in Romans 8, let's go back and read it. Verse 15, for you didn't receive the spirit of bondage when you got saved. You don't have a spirit of slavery, again, to fear. But you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Look up on the screen at these other translations. This is the living Bible. And so we should not be like cringing, fearful slaves, Paul said. But we should behave like God's very own children. Amen. 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 That's my point. To behave like God's own children would not be fearful. Warriors. When we're practicing the habit of worry, we're looking like a child of the devil rather than a child of God. Because we got more confidence in what the devil said. Brother Hagin again said it like this. He said to some Christians, he said, God's a little bitty God and the devil's a great big devil to some Christians. But it's right the opposite. It's the truth. Amen. Your God's the great big God and the devil's a little bitty devil. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah, there's coming a time that people are going to look on the devil and just narrowly look on him and say, you mean that's the rat that gave me all that trouble? You mean I let that little nothing destroy my life? And so why don't we go ahead and get that revelation today? The devil's nothing. The Bible, I, I don't have time to give you all this, but the scripture says, and it's dealing with fear. I'll t I do have time for it. The Lord just reminded me that I did. Look at this, Hebrews chapter 2. I want to show you something. Just a little side note. Thank you for your enthusiasm today. Amen. Hebrews chapter 2, tell me when you found it. The Lord said, go ahead and turn to it because he said, I want you to see that it is talking about not having that spirit of fear in it. Look at verse 15. I'll start with 14. Tell me when you're there. 2.14. Verse 14 says, for as much then as the children, talking about you and I, 
So as much as we children of God are partakers of flesh and blood, He, Jesus, also Himself likewise took part of the same. In other words, Jesus, the Son of God, came down to this earth in a flesh and blood body so that through death on the cross, He might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Now, so what did Jesus do to the devil at the cross? Destroyed him, the King James says. Now, better translation, write this in your note, but this is a powerful thing you'll want to remember. The word destroy in the original Greek there literally means Jesus reduced Satan to zero. And yet Satan is behind all the defeats and all the failures and the hurts and the pains of this planet. So we're giving him right away to something that he doesn't have the power to to do, really doesn't have the right to do it. As a child of God, in the family of God, you ought to just say, look, you know, from now on, the devil is absolutely off limits in my house, in my life. So I said, well, you know, the flu is coming around. Well, that's off limits. That doesn't come from God. There is no flu in heaven. I've heard about the swine flu, and I've heard about the, what other flus? I don't remember what all they called them. Bird flu and swine flu. Well, I never heard of the heavenly flu. And so I'm, you know, a friend of mine, he's in heaven now. He's a sweet guy, just precious. When he got saved, I, I led him to the Lord years ago. And he's in heaven now. But anyway, he, he said this. He said one day, he said, James, he said, uh, just after I'd got saved, and he said, I'd been listening to you preach about how the devil's world don't belong to me, but God's world does. And I'm a child of God, and I don't have to have what the world's got. He said, you know, said one morning, he worked night shift. And so he said about 9 o'clock one morning, there was a knock on his door. So he was in bed asleep because he had just come in from where he worked. And he said, I, I went and opened the door, kind of sleepy, and it was an insurance salesman, door-to-door insurance salesman. He said, I let him in, you know, and, and just let him talk a minute. And you know how they were doing their spiel, trying to sell insurance, of course, and, and, and nothing against that. But he just said I, he was trying to sell it and said he was trying to get some questionnaires, you know, questions from me answered. said, he asked me, the man asked me, said, uh, well, what kind of sickness, Ronnie, runs in your family? He said, there is no sickness runs in my family. He said, no, I mean, everybody's got sickness, the insurance man. Everybody's got something, cancer or heart disease or diabetes, bad blood, something. What runs in your family? He said, I'm in the family of God. Nothing runs in my family but healing. He said, healing runs in my family. He said, that guy didn't want to talk much longer to me. (laughs) Healing runs in my family. See, you're in a new family. So don't don't give in to, to sickness and disease. That's not part of your life. This says, let's go back and read this. Living Bible says, we should not be cringing, fearful slaves as children of God. We shouldn't be. We should behave like God's very own children adopted into the bosom of His family, calling to Him, Abba, Father. This verse says, Father, Father. But I want to show you one more. Look at this in the message, and this will bring out what I'm trying to say about these terms of endearment with God. Now look how he, this is Eugene Peterson, look how he translated this verse. We don't have the spirit of fear and so on. This resurrection life that you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. Do you see that? He called it a grave-tending life. A fearful life is a grave-tending life. Again, this resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Oh, Lord, I thought they'd be excited over that, Jesus. You did too? I know. Isn't that something? You got me excited about 1 o'clock this morning. I thought you would. This resurrection life that you've received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? Can you imagine getting up in the morning and saying, okay, Lord, this is me and you today. What's next, Papa? And he'll begin to let you in on the adventures that he's got planned. Now that's back Romans chapter 4, 17, where I was reading a minute ago. You still got your Bible open, Hebrews chapter 2. Let me finish reading that. It says, Satan has been reduced to zero when Jesus went to the cross. Verse 14 says, he destroyed him that had the power of death, that is the devil. So Satan is reduced to a zero. But look how he's talking about fear here. And Jesus, verse 15, when he went to the cross, he delivered them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage or slavery. See, that's not, that fear is not a part of the Christian life. Say amen if you can see that. It's not, it's not to be a part of us. Satan cannot gain access to a person's life without the spirit of fear involved. As long as you refuse the fear, Satan will never be able to gain access into your life. Again, I'll put it on the screen right quick. I've already quoted it to you. But 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God hadn't given us the spirit of fear. See, notice he puts that term spirit of fear. It's a spirit. Fear is a spirit. If fear is a spirit, let's change that word spirit because he's talking about a demonic force. So let's just say fear is a devil. Fear is a demonic spirit. Diabolical spirit of the devil. 
So what should you and I do with demon spirits? What does the Bible say we as Christians are supposed to do with evil spirits? In Jesus' name, we cast them out. Fear, fear will never be able to stay in your presence as long as you take the name of Jesus and command it to go. Yes. If you ask the devil to please leave, he said, I, he'll say, I certainly will. And he'll invite all of his friends to come hang out. Amen. He won't listen to you. He's a liar. But if you command him with your authority to leave in Jesus' name, Amen. he has to. Notice it says, God hadn't given us that spirit of fear. God, if you've got a spirit of fear bothering you, a diabolical spirit of the devil bothering you with worries and anxieties and phobias and fears, if that's bothering you, God didn't give it to you. That's, right. that's what he said. God didn't give it to you. If God didn't give it to you, get rid of it. Don't hold on to it. Don't entertain it. What kind of spirit did he give us? Look at this next part of the verse. But he gave us a spirit of power. Right. Now remember, I won't go back there, but remember Luke chapter 10, Jesus said, I've given you power to tread on scorpions and serpents and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will by any means hurt you. That's the power he's given us. He said, I gave you a spirit of power, a spirit of love that God loves you first of all, and then you can love other people because God loves you and a sound mind. Circle that in your Bible if you've turned over there. Or at least write it down to go back and circle it. But circle sound mind and claim it every day. I have a sound mind. Yes, amen. Alzheimer's doesn't have a right to my mind. You, you know, I, I'm just going to tell you a trick of the devil because he, he's a tricky old cuss but, and he tries to hurt you with his tricks. He's a liar. There's nothing true about him. Probably 90% of everybody in this room, I don't care what age you are, probably 90%. I say at least if you're over 20, the devil tries to mess with you sometimes about losing your mind. He'll try to come to you and say, you, you know, you didn't, you can't, you walked in the room and can't even remember what you went in there for. And the devil will just play it up, magnify it and say, look at that. You, you can't even remember what you came in there for. Alzheimer's not your problem. What your problem is, is that you had too many things on your mind. You came in there, as my grandmother would say, you came in there with 50, 11 things on your mind. You had so many things on your mind, and it's, it's no wonder that you forgot one of them. Right. Just say, well, I'm just the Holy Spirit, if that's something you want me to do in here, remind me of it. Amen. <laughs> that's right. Amen. You know, just remind me of it. He'll bring it back that's to your good. remembrance. Yes, he will. But that don't mean you got, you're losing your mind. You've got a sound mind. Just that's claim right. that. I've got a sound mind. Amen. You say, well, I had a bad thought come to my mind, Brother James. Well, join the party. <laughs> just don't, don't entertain it. That's just cast that out. Just say, I don't take that thought. We'll show you a scripture on that in just a minute, but just cast that out. Y'all give me time to finish this up real quick. Just get rid of the thoughts. Don't worry about it. Let me tell you something about today, and this is one of the tricks of the devil. This is why people never become real successful in their life, and, and he uses worry to do it. And he tries to divide and conquer. Most people that are in business today trying to, trying to be successful at business or their career, whatever it may be, they'll tell you, and this, you'll see how this fits you in some way, what I'm about to share with you. They'll tell you they've got about 10 or 20 important things that they've got to get done. How many of you every day seem like you've got a list of about 20 things you've got to get done? Amen. That's about right with everybody. That's true of everybody. About 20 things. We'll just use 20. Well, the truth is, if you try to accomplish those 20 things, you're operating real weak. Well, I got 20 priorities. You ever heard somebody? I got about 20 priorities I got to get done today. Now, let, now listen, let me tell you something. The word priority, when it was, first came out, and I think it was in the 12th century, it was a single word, priority. There was no such thing as priorities, plural. Meaning that there was one thing in your life that was a priority that took precedent over everything else, and you had to get that done, and you should focus on that and get it done. That's a priority. It wasn't until about the 20th century that we got such a busy schedule that we changed the word priority to priorities. And we thought it'd be all right to make multiple things out of it. But look at 20 things. If you're trying to accomplish 20 things today in your family, in your home, in your business, in your school, whatever it is, if you're trying to get 20 things done, that means you're able to put about 5% of your energy toward each of those things. Now, how much are you going to get done on something with 5% of your energy given to it? Absolutely nothing. And so you'll just, as we say, spin your wheels all day long and you get to the end of the day and really haven't got anything accomplished. In business, you'll get to the end of that year trying to get 20 things done and not have any of those things done at the end of the year. Your ministry the same way, whatever it may be. So what do you do? You just say, well, you know what? I'm going to throw out this idea of priorities and I'm going to put my finger in the hole of this dam that's leaking all over and one at a time. 
And this is my priority, and I'm not going to stop till I get this one done. And you'll start accomplishing things. Before long, you'll have all 20 done, one at a time, if you'll learn to just make priority. Don't let the devil divide you. He tries to divide you and conquer and make you think you don't have a sound mind. But just say, I've got a sound mind. I can get things done. And you'll find out. Listen, when you find out, when you get rid of worry, your thoughts will come better to you. Quit entertaining those things. All right, very quickly, I've got to do this real quickly. This is interesting to me. A group of doctors, a group of physicians did a study several years ago. And what they wanted to do, they wanted to determine who got what sickness and what was the cause. What caused certain people to get certain sicknesses in their life? And they did it. This was a group of physicians. They did a great big study. And they found that everybody had different lives, different factors, different difficulties, different problems, different diseases. Everything varied except one thing was constant in all the people they checked with that had these diseases. They all were just full of worry. They said that was the constant. Then they went to these patients and they asked them, what are your worries really about? They, want, they said, let's classify worries in three different groups. If everybody's here because you got worries over your diseases or it seemed like the only factor that's common, this was from the patients. The only factor that was common was they all were worriers, big worriers, and they were all sick, various diseases, but one factor, they all had worries. They said, let's divide your worries now into three groups, past worries, present worries, future worries. And the patients themselves, not the doctors, the patients themselves said, my worries are this, this, or this. 40% said their worries were about the past. Nothing you can do about the past. They're worried about things they can't do anything about. 50% of them worried about the future. Things you have no control over, don't even know what it's going to be. And I'll show you a scripture that Jesus said, don't do that. Only 10% of them had present worries. So most of the things we worry about, you have no ability to do anything about. Now, I know you can make certain changes to affect the future. I understand that. But you're worried about something that hasn't happened yet, or you're worried about something you can't go back and fix. That's the majority of people today. And the devil will keep you lost in that, and you'll miss out on the present if you do that. Look at these two scriptures on the screen right quickly. This is Jesus talking. NIV version because it uses the word worry instead of anxious thought. I wanted to bring that out because we're talking about worries. This is the NIV, Matthew 6, 25. Jesus said, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Now, what if you were to just say, you know, I'm going to make this my verse today and worry is going to be out the door, not this week, but today it's gone. Before this service is over, my worries are ended. I'm just not going to worry anymore. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, but what you eat or what you're going to drink or about your body, what you're going to wear. Isn't your life more than food and the body more than clothes? Do not worry about your life. Now, that's verse 25. You get down to the end of the chapter, verse 34, he said this, Therefore, do not worry, Jesus said, about tomorrow, future. Don't worry about the future, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In other words, today's got enough for you to deal with alone, just this 24-hour period of time, without you worrying about what's coming up next week, next year, at, at the age of 62 or whatever you're looking down at. Come on. Do you see? Amen. Well, you know, so, you know, a lot of people say, I don't know where I'm going to be at retirement age. I don't know what it's going to be or 10 years from now. Everybody tries to put things off. Jesus didn't even say a lot about don't worry about the past. You know why? He didn't think anybody would be that dumb, I guess, to... <laughs> Paul said, if there's one, this is Paul talking, he said, if there's one thing I've learned to do is forget those things that are past. I'll give it to you real quickly. So decide that the worry habit ends with you today. If you've developed the habit of worry, then you can break free from it. Here's something I, I wrote down last night. Say this, and let's just say it out loud. This can become a confession. You can write it down. I'll say it slow enough. You can jot it down if you want to. But you ought to say this to yourself to encourage yourself. Worry is a bad mental habit. And I can break any habit with God's help. Worry is a bad mental habit, and I can break any habit with God's help, and you can. So give you some things real quick. Just jot it down. I'll I'll hurry. I know time's probably slipped away, and it has. We'll get out of here in just a minute. Number one, and I don't have to deal with this. I'll just give it to you to write down, as we've already talked about. Stop looking back at past mistakes. You want to get rid of worry? Stop looking back at past mistakes. Put in parentheses by that. Stop being so hard on yourself. Do you know all the things of the past, and Paul, as I said, said that I forget those things that are past and I press toward the mark. 
You can't do a thing in the world about it except put it in the blood of Jesus, under the blood of Jesus. Amen. I don't care what you've done. I, I don't care Amen. if it's a sin. You know, people, you'd be surprised, a number of people. We've all been there. I've done the same thing. Worried about what you were in the past, what I did, things I did, you know, how I hurt people. Well, you, you apologize. You do things you can. Sometimes you can't do anything about it. But if you can make a wrong right, make it right. If, you, if, you, if it's a bad debt, make it good. Amen. Well, y'all didn't want to hear that, did you? I mean, if you owe somebody something, pay them. You know, go tell them you pay them. Give it $5 a week if you have to, but begin to pay. But in other words, if there's something you can correct, correct it. But if you can't correct it, just let it go. Say, it's into the blood of Jesus. The bottom line is, of whatever you're worried about your past life, the Bible says Jesus is going to come back one day judging the quick and the dead, and he's going to treat you under the blood of Jesus that you put yourself under. So put more confidence under the blood in that and just forget the past. As we said, quit being so hard on yourself. Just lighten up a little bit. And don't worry about it. I'm sorry I did it. I hope I learned not to ever repeat that mistake. Amen. That's right. That's all. And then let it go. Amen. Number two. And then develop faith in God for a brighter future. Just begin to have a great expectation. Don't cloud up today with tomorrow's problems. That's what this scripture right here is saying. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. It's got enough problems today. Don't bring tomorrow's in on it. Do y'all remember Corps Ten Boom within the Nazi prison camps many years ago? And, uh, of course, she had to learn to forgive what all happened in her life, you know, and so on. But listen to this. She had a powerful lady. Her books are amazing if you ever get a hold of Corrie Ten Boom. Last name Boom. B-O-O-M. Boom. Like boom. She said this. I thought this was powerful. She said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Worries, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. In other words, you're not going to change tomorrow by worrying about it. It ain't going to help you a bit. It doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. What worry does, it empties today of its strength. So it just weakens you today. And then here's the thing I want to deal with, and we'll close with this. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, please. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Is anybody getting anything out of this? Oh, if your life could be free of worry, just think about what the future holds. The things you haven't accomplished is because you've let worries Amen. keep that creativity pushed back. First Peter chapter 5, this is what we're going to deal with and we'll close. Amen. Didn't say we're going to hurry, I just said we're going to close in this area. No, I'm just kidding. Look at this. We're familiar with verse 7. It says, casting all your care, King James says, casting all your care upon Him, Jesus, because He cares for you. Now, let me quote this. Amplified says it something like this. I, I didn't write it down, but it says, Casting the whole of your care, all your worries, all your concerns, all your anxieties, we'd say all your fears, all your phobias, over on Jesus once and for all. Yes. Mm -hmm. Cast all your cares on Him. Right. Cast all your worries, one translation says. Mm -hmm. Casting all your worries on Jesus. Now, this is a big deal. Begin today saying, Okay, I'm going to do this verse, and I'm going to literally cast all my worries on Him. I, anytime I catch myself holding on to a worry, an anxious thought, I'm going to immediately, as the, as the Old Testament says, roll it over on the Lord. Amen. You know, just picture somebody with a heavy pack on their back. Gail, I remember my grandmother, Wilma, used to tell me, said when she was little, now she was born way back, early 1900s. So when she was a little girl, I would just say in the early, very early 1900s, she said that her, her daddy, Paul King, we called him. That's where Wayne and I come connected together. We're sisters. <laughs> well, I thought that somebody's got to have fun in church, and it ain't y'all. That might as well be me. She said that she, what she remembered about Christmas as a little girl said, we didn't have, you know, toys and all that and didn't have, you know, how we began to develop presents under the tree all for weeks before Christmas. Y'all know how y'all probably do that too. And um, said, but it was just Christmas Eve, said Paul King said, I can just see him, said he would always get an empty toe sack put over his shoulder like that. And he would just, Christmas Eve, he'd start walking out, usually be snowing back in those days, you know, and said he would start walking to the town, which was Cordova town back in those days, walking to Cordova and said he'd just walk out and disappear into the snow. We wouldn't see him anymore. And he'd usually get home early Christmas morning as the sun was coming up and that thing just be full of nuts and fruits and whatever. Sometimes a baby doll or something, but you know, not usually stuff like that, but just things, you know. And, and just imagine that heavy, I don't know why I want to tell you that, but that's, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. But imagine that heavy bag and you got that and it's just bent down. That's the way worries will do you. 
choke you and, and just deprive you of life. And then somebody come up and say, let me help you, Reggie. So let me help you with that. And you just roll that over yeah. on, on him. That's what that scripture means. Cast your care on him. This means roll that over on the Lord, Proverbs says. Roll it over on him. And, and if he's got it, then you're not carrying it anymore. Say amen to that. Here's a prayer you ought to learn to pray every morning when you get up. Instead of worrying about the day. You ever lay there till you just talk yourself into worrying? You ever done that? Before you get out of bed? Listen, this is a prayer. I just kind of jotted this down last night and kind of worded it my way. I place this day, my life, my health. More people worry about their health than any other thing. Children worry about their, uh, parents worry about their children. I guess parents probably worry about their children too. I know I did about my mother and dad. I had to work with that. I don't know why. I'm just going to stop. I'll tell you the rest of that in just a minute. I, I don't know why, but as a child, I don't, I don't know where it came from. I, I don't blame it on my mother, my father, or anything. I don't know. But somewhere as a child, I developed a strong spirit of fear about worry, about everything. Everybody dear to me would just be gone. I just thought mother and daddy both worked jobs. We went to babysitters when I was just small. Miss Etta Franks was my babysitter, just precious lady. I did her funeral years later. But she was a sweet lady, and we'd go there, and so no, it wasn't that I wasn't happy with her. I absolutely loved her like another mother, but, but it was just something about when my mother would leave in the car for work, or my daddy would, as a little child now, you can't imagine. I didn't know to just talk this over with somebody to get help, you know, to somebody to talk me out of it. But I would just say, if she's going to work, then she'll be killed, or something will happen, I'll never see mother again. That was six, seven days a week for me, anytime mother and father would leave. And so fear just, just controlled me. This is why I'm so happy to tell you how to get free of it, because it controlled a life when you do that. Amen. Well, I noticed then later in my life, even just years ago, when mother and daddy were sick so much, every time I'd hear an ambulance, I'd think, oh, my goodness, they might be going to mother and daddy's house. And I thought, I'm not going to let that control me. And, and, and you think, well, when mother and daddy go to heaven, well, at least I don't have to worry about ambulances anymore. Why are you kidding? I hear an ambulance, you'll think it's your grandchildren need it. The devil will just keep on as long as you entertain it. He'll just keep on taking So you, there's your prayer. Are you ready? Pray. Say, Lord, I place this day my life, my health, my loved ones, my work, your job, your business, or whatever it is, in your hands. Make that your prayer. Amen. Lord, I place this day, my life, I didn't have all this written down, I hope I said it right, my life, my health, my family, my work, my schooling, my education, whatever it is, I place it in your hands. Amen. I trust you, God, that you're causing all things to work toward my good today. Scripture says he does. Amen. I trust that you're causing all things to work to my good today because I love you and I place the care of all this in my life in your capable hands. If you would pray that in the mornings, the devil wouldn't be able to get into your day. Let me show you what you're doing. Look, this, these scriptures on the screen, we won't have to look up anymore. Look at this, Psalm 34, 4. The Bible says, I sought the Lord. In other words, seek Him. I sought the Lord and He answered me and delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Well, you know what's interesting that jumped out at me last night, Joel, about this verse? It's the first part. I sought the Lord. In other words, I got to do my part. I want God to take all these fears, but I got to seek Him or put Him first. In other words, my attention, my priority is Him. And so I thought, that's got to be something about if I, I got to do my part in that somewhere, because, you know, so many verses, you, translations you can look at nowadays, you know, with the Internet. And so I kept looking, 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 and I found this one in the message. It said exactly what I was looking for. The message says, God met me more than halfway. Wow. Amen. He freed me from all my anxious fears. But the problem is, if you don't go out to meet the yeah. Lord, see, the Bible doesn't say God will just do all that. He says, the Bible says in James chapter 4, it says, draw near unto God and He'll draw near to you. It's kind of like, Jeremiah, do this with me, stand right there. Look, look at this. Imagine Jeremiah being the Lord and I'm me with my difficulties, my problems, my worries. And as long as I'm worrying, I'm not seeking the Lord and I'm wanting Jesus to come here. You write dumb songs when you do that. You write songs like, Kumbaya, Lord, Kumbaya, here. come by here, Lord, come by here. And he don't do that. But what the scripture says, if you'll, do, if you'll match me, mirror me, what the scripture says, if I take a step toward him, he takes a step toward me. That's yeah. right. Amen. See? Amen. Mm -hmm. Come on. Amen. You see where God's going? Amen. If I'm drawing away from him, he's drawing away from me. And look, look, watch this, watch this. What speed is God doing? I'm choosing the speed, aren't I? 
Watch, watch this. You ready? Watch this. <laughs> See, it's all up to you. That's what Scripture says, Romans, John chapter 4. Excuse me, James chapter 4. Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. You choose the speed. Thank you, Jeremiah. You choose how quick He comes to me. Why has God only taken one step toward me? I just feel like God. Because that's all you took toward Him. See, so this is, says God met me more than halfway. And what did He do? He delivered me or freed me from all of my fears. If you'd start every morning just visualizing that you're just turning all this over to the Lord. I heard the story of a preacher was telling, a pastor was telling this years ago. This pastor's in heaven now too. He pastored a large church in a very large city. And he said he preached one morning. And after he got through, he said he had went to the front door of the church to shake hands with all the people. This is a New York church years ago. He said, I was shaking hands and there was a businessman met me at the door and I didn't know him. And he said to me, he said, you know, he said, uh, preacher, I want to tell you something. He said, okay. He said, uh, several months ago, he said, I came and visited your church first time. And he said, you were talking about fears that day, getting rid of your fears. And I was interested, he said, because my life was full of them. They controlled me. He said, I had so much worry that I could lay in the bed at night and I'd worry about my business and worry about my investments and worry about what I was doing and other things, you know, and people in leadership and what they're doing. And he said, it just robbed me of my sleep. The worries got so big. And they turned into pretty serious, vicious fears, too. They began to really control my life. He said, but when you was preaching that day and I was listening to you, he said, you said something about a friend of yours in Albany had a similar situation, same disease of worry that I had. And he said, um, you said that they had a technique that they did that got them free of their worries. And you told it to us that day. He said the technique was that they would go to bed with all these worries at night. They would go to bed and they got in the habit of pulling out an empty chair, straight back chair. They'd put it beside the bed and they said, now, Lord, you said you'd never leave us nor forsake us, so I guess that would mean in Albany too. said, Lord, you sit right here in this chair. I'll give you all of my worries over into your hands there. You take them and worry about them, wouldn't you? And I'll just go to sleep. And that person said in that story that that worked for him. Said it just seemed like God just gave them peace and before long it was just a habit. Every night they put out the chair, turned everything over to the Lord and just slept like a baby. He said, this businessman said, when you shared that as the technique, I was interested because I had so many worries. But said, to be honest with you, that sounded like something really elementary coming from a sophisticated church from a so-called educated pastor. And he said, but I didn't have any other plans, so that night I pulled out that chair. I felt a little silly about it, he said. I pulled that out, and I put it there, and I said, I'm going to do what that person did in that story. And Lord, I just rolled these works over on you, and I worried and troubled. But he said, it got to where that started giving me peace at night. Two or three nights, it was giving me peace. I was sleeping better than I had in a long time. And he said, finally, one night, he said, as I lay there, I said, Lord, I'm giving you all these problems. And said, when I put my hand over there, I felt a big old hand take mine. Oh, praise God. And oh, he said, it just drove out all those fears. Well, now that's the scripture. Let, let me show you this one verse right here if I can. There's a scripture. Isaiah 41, 13 says, For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand. Amen. Saying unto you, fear not, and I'll help you. Fear not and I'll help you. I'm telling you, if you'll start that same practice of just practicing his presence. Lord, I know you're here. Here's your chair. Just sit here. You worry all night with my problems if you want to, but I'm just going to turn them over to you and not going to worry about a thing. You can do something with my family, my job, my retirement, my life, my health. Devil tries to make you think. Devil say, "Well, what if you what if your heart just quits tonight?" I said, "I guess they'll bury me." <laughs> they don't. They'll have a problem on their hands. They better bury me. <laughs> but it ain't going to be my worry. That's there right. Amen. I told the devil one time. That's just, that's kind of a weak way out. I, I told him this one time. I said, "Devil, look, I'll live without a heartbeat if I have to, but you don't have right to my heart. You don't have right to my thought about it." I got on an airplane one time. The devil said, I mean, the devil just came on with fear. He said, you're going to, this plane's going to crash and you're going to die. And I said, listen, 
If this plane does crash, my seat will go safely to Orlando where I'm headed. And I'll land. They're going to see one little chair and a man come landing right down here in Orlando. Isn't that the beautiful thing? I said, I'm not afraid. I said, that's in God's hands. You don't have, you don't dictate to me what's going on in my life. You have to fight a little bit with it. But just put it over in the hand of the Lord and let him take you by his right hand. I won't read that last scripture. Amen. Isn't that good? Give the, give the Lord a hand clap for that. Stand to your feet. Amen. Say this with me. Say, my fear days, my worry days are all over. I'm not going to permit worry to control my life anymore. In Jesus' name. Say it again. Fear is not a part of me. My God is capable. Capable of my healing. Capable of protecting my family. Capable of making all things work out to my good. I'm at peace. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Father, we thank you that we can kick.